the last page has been turned in my most recent read. Okay. Um, I have to be honest and upfront here. I'm actually just over 220 pages into my first read for March and it's proving to be as beautiful as the last book I read by this particular author. That being said, the book I am going to be talking about today is one I finished just before the clocks ticked over into March, my last February read. All that being said, here I am, no spoilers, as opinion-filled as ever and ready to roll, all of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as I take a second and very long-awaited trip to Midran to travel with Kissen, Elagast, Inara and Skediseth as they travel to complete a deadly mission that will change the lives of everyone. It's time for me to talk about the second book in the Fallen God series by Hannah Kainer, Sunbringer. I'm your host, Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, and long-term depression sufferer. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing to-be-read pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler-free book reviews. If you've listened to my Reads of 2023 episode or watched my Best and Worst Reads of 2023 video over on YouTube, then you'll know that I was eagerly anticipating the release of Sunbringer. I absolutely loved Godkiller and the way the book ended just made that excitement a little bit bolder. So it should come as no surprise. I didn't wait too long after it was delivered to pick it up and read through it. War is coming. God killer. Gods are forbidden in the kingdom of Midran. Now they are stirring, whisperings of war. God killer Kisson sacrificed herself to vanquish the fire god Hazeth and save her friends, but gods cannot be destroyed so easily, and neither can god killers. Reeling from the loss of Kisson, young noble Inara and her little god of white lies, Skeddy, seek answers to the true nature of their bond. The secrets they uncover could determine the outcome of the war. Meanwhile, Elagast, no longer a loyal knight of King Aaron, has been charged with destroying the man he once called Friend. The king has vowed to eradicate all gods, but has now entered into an unholy pact with the most dangerous of them all. The kingdom is on the brink of destruction. What will they each sacrifice to save it? The story begins as the last one ended, with a confrontation between Kissen, Elagast, Inara and Haseth, the god of fire. Though I will be spoiling parts of Godkiller later on in this episode, it's unavoidable. There is so much I honestly believe you should read for yourself that I am completely changing up the way I do episodes for this week. And I guess that's the problem with sequels. When there are no continuity errors and no time gap between the events in one book and the next, a lesson I personally wish that Rebecca Ross would have taken with her Letters of Enchantment series, but if you want to find out what I thought of Divine Rivals and Ruthless Vows, you can check out the links below. Anyway, back to the issue. If there is this lack of continuity issue and there is no time gap between the end of one book and the next, there's always the risk that one is going to spoil the other or you're going to reveal too much that you don't want to when talking about it. As I honestly think this book is one you should find out the story for by yourselves 
let's just get on with the episode. Welcome to the start of March, though, as a friend sent me a photograph of her garden covered in inches of snow this morning and we've had nothing but rain and strong wind, I am starting to doubt that spring is actually on its way. Luckily, I haven't stepped too many toes outside my building, unless you count sitting on the balcony wrapped in a thick blanket, since Tuesday. Instead, I've been working hard and spending most of my downtime reading. I have already started reading my first book of the month and have my eye on a few more that are actually on my shelf. So I'm not talking about buying loads more books this month. March is going to be an exciting one, both for the podcast and for my bookshelves, with some incredible books due to arrive later this month and at least one incredible event happening right here on the podcast. Last year, Godkiller was one of my favourite reads, and as soon as Sunbringer was announced, I made sure I was quick to act and order a copy of Waterstone's special editions. They are so lovely, and though I do put them on display, I don't order a second plainer copy solely for reading. I started the book remembering the heartbreaking ending of the last, yet that didn't stop my hopes from building, and I will get into those just a little bit later. There is no way to avoid the fact that this episode will be a huge spoiler for Godkiller, and if you haven't read it yet, and intend to read it, and obviously don't want to know what happens next, though obviously I will not spoil the ending of Sunbringer, then you should stop listening now, though I kind of hope you continue on anyway. Of course, if you've read Sunbringer and wanted to talk about it with someone else who enjoyed it, or you didn't enjoy it so much, I'd love to hear why, do get in touch. I love talking books, if you couldn't already tell. So send me an email or DM me over on Instagram and I will try and answer. I'm not that bad at it anymore. Spoilers, especially when it comes to books, are one of my least favourite things. I want to be surprised, shocked, and maybe a little bit horrified at a revelation or a twist, even if I am expecting one to happen. Despite all that, I do still enjoy reading and leaving reviews, but only after I have read the book in question. However, I have to kind of acknowledge that if I am able to find completely spoiler-free reviews that give just an emotional view of a book, or perhaps a slightly comedic one, like in the case of the hilarious reviews of the Fifty Shades of Grey books, they do get a read before I start reading the book for myself. And thanks to some amazing Bookstagram friends, I have found new authors and new books using this method. Often, my decision to buy is, sadly, more likely to be determined by the pretty special edition cover and sprayed edges that is, than it is an online review. Yeah, I don't know what that says about me. One of the main reasons why I share so much of myself when I'm talking in these episodes is because I honestly think that knowing more about who I am and what my likes and dislikes personally gives you a better idea of why I enjoy and maybe don't, some of the books that I review. Of course, if reviews prove anything, it's that everyone has an opinion, which they're perfectly entitled to, by the way, but not everyone's views will match mine or other people's. 
When it comes to reviews in general, I think that they happen to be a really good reflection of how different we all are. Though these reviews come from both ends of the spectrum, I think it's important to make up your own mind. Don't let any of these comments, including mine, sway you if you're not sure or if you're definitely positive that you're going to pick this up because it's an author you love. Hannah, no, not the author, gave the book one star. She had some hopes when it came to Sunbringer that she felt weren't quite realised. She said... After the disappointment and slowness of Godkiller, I really thought that Sunbringer might be more action-packed. I was wrong. This was boring as hell. I started to enjoy the connection between the three main characters in Godkiller, and then they spent the entirety of this book apart. And what the hell was that ending or last chapter? I just found this entire series so disappointing. The book is a very new release as it was published on the 15th of February, at least in the UK, so barely two weeks ago. As that is the case, the number of reviews is rather low. And that surprised me, especially as Godkiller was such a popular book and this was the highly anticipated sequel. I'm not sure at this point if the book was made available to reviewers as a NetGalley e-arc prior to publication, though I do know that some authors and influencers were sent physical arcs. Lucky things. I think I applied and didn't get anywhere. If there was no NetGalley pre-release, this would explain the lower number of reviews. In a strange way, I am rather happy to be able to say that Hannah's one-star review was actually the only written review on Goodreads, at least at the time of my researching for this episode, that was a one-star on Goodreads, the overall rating for the book is a very promising 4.15, which is above average and the sort of score I have come to expect from books in the fantasy genre. As I've already mentioned, there aren't as many reviews and ratings for this book as I have come to expect, specifically for new fantasy releases. However, it is also a very new release, so it has time to grow. Currently on Goodreads, Goodreads, there are 638 ratings and 223 reviews, which leaves me again with a very small cache to select from. The majority of those, 48% or 307 readers, awarded the book four stars, with a further 35% or 224 feeling the book was amazing and exactly what they wanted for a chilly February read, gave it five stars. Only 14% of readers, or 91, gave it a purely average three-star rating. And a tiny fraction, not even 1% of readers, or four in total, gave Sunbringer one star. Olivia went into the book with expectations after reading and loving Godkiller, and it appears that she wasn't disappointed. Awarding it 4.5 stars, she said... Sunbringer was my first book of 2024 and I could not have gotten off to a better start. Godkiller was in my top five last year and I can see the sequel following in its footsteps for this year. This is a perfect blend of high fantasy, political fantasy and mythology elements combined with tons of disability and LGBT plus representation and complex realistic characters. We pick up right where we left off each of our beloved characters at the end of Godkiller, in a state of grief and dismay. 
Each of them has to figure out how to pick up and keep going after everything they've been through. And we really see the essence of each person as they navigate new challenges. Inara, in particular, shines in this book. She gets some truly quality, almost painful to read character development. Her thoughts and feelings are so realistic for a child who got dropped into a terrible situation and is trying so hard to grow up and make a difference. Meanwhile, the adults around her want nothing more than to protect her from suffering any more harm. I think this is a big part of what makes this series so compelling. Each character has such achingly understandable motivations. This instalment really raises the stakes in preparation for the final book in the trilogy, but it does take some time to get momentum going. The last 30 to 40% are incredibly action-packed, and the first half is tense and a bit slow-paced. However, I think Sunbringer does a good job of not falling into the second book lull that so many trilogies suffer from. I absolutely cannot wait to read the rest of this incredible story. 4.5 out of 5 stars. As the second book in a series by a debut author, Sunbringer had a big pair of shoes to fit, mostly because Godkiller was a wonderful fantasy novel and the open ending could have had us with something of a sequel syndrome situation. It's not a book that I personally feel you could start with and then go back, because the first book established the characters and the history, building a world that you needed to have an understanding of. My personal view is certainly something that is backed up by many of the reviews I have just read through, and there were a few. With some series, you can come in halfway through and not really have missed too much, but that is definitely not the case here. One thing that reviews I have shared prove is that everyone has different opinions. So what I think is amazing or merely average, someone else could absolutely loathe or completely love. I guess this is why I believe you have to take every review you read or hear, including mine, with a huge pinch of salt. Anyway, now I've told you about other people's views, let's get down to it. Here are my thoughts on Sunbringer by Hannah Kainer, completely spoiler-free and 100% honest. Did I like the book? Just like when I was talking about my all-time favourite book, The Changeover, I think that you can tell I enjoyed Sunbringer. There are a few books on my pre-order list that I have been eagerly anticipating for a while, and at the beginning of the year, Sunbringer was definitely on that list. Admittedly, I did wait a couple of weeks to read it as I started going through other shorter and less involved novels with easier plots, though that said, The Book of Doors was certainly neither easier, shorter or less involved. The moment I picked the book up, I was immediately transported back to Midran, and the first thing I thought as I was reminded of the traumatic events at the end of Godkiller was please let Kisson's death be a mistake. Because for anyone who has read God Killer and remembers the ending, that was one real killer cliffhanger. I'm not going to spoil anything about the events in Sunbringer, but in order to tell the tale of this book, I do have to sort of unwillingly spoil the ending of God Killer. As the central protagonist of Godkillus, Kisson sacrificed herself at the end of the book to save her friends and destroy the antagonist, 
the fire god Hazeth before they could succeed in accomplishing their goal of taking over Midran and dominating its people. However, as I started Sunbringer, part of me had obviously wiped her death from memory and I expected her name to appear on the page as more than a Kissen didn't make it statement. One of the things I love most about Godkiller is something that Hannah Kainer manages to maintain in Sunbringer and that's the relationships that these characters develop and continue to build throughout the story. To start with, Kissen and Inara are less than friends and more unwilling business associates. Inara almost forced Kissen into accepting her presence on the quest she had been set. However, by the end of Godkiller, they were close friends and the bond had grown to such a point that there was no denying Kissen would do anything to protect the young girl bound to Skedaseth, the god of white lies. Elagast, a baker and ex-love of the power-obsessed King Aaron, is a newer member of the group, but the bond that builds between him and Kissen is a more mature one, which culminates in a night spent together. He has assigned himself the role of protector where Inara is concerned, despite being hesitant where her companion is involved. Sunbringer is written in such a way that the relationships these characters have, despite now being separated by Kissen's apparent death, have a natural growth to them. Elagast, still in the role of protector, is so consumed with the mission he has set himself that he is horrified that Inara feels strong enough and has the will to ignore her own safety in order to learn more about who she is, which she does. Though every character changes during the book, Inara is the one who has the most potential. She started this journey as a child with anger and vengeance in her heart seeing Kissen and their association as a means to an end. But during Sunbringer, she truly comes into her own, discovering a power she has never been aware of before and taking control of her own life. When she learns a secret her own mother was keeping from her, she truly comes into her own, and I love it. All power to Inara and her loyal, loving God companion. Hannah Kainer somehow managed to create a found family that bonded despite the many differences. The thing which melded these people together was a shared goal, saving their world from being overtaken by a misguided and obsessive king. Of course, Sunbringer isn't only about the people. There are also mentions of obsession and fanaticism, specifically where Aaron is concerned. In the first book, I came away with the feeling that he was a misguided and lost soul who needed to find himself. However, by the end of Sunbringer, that feeling has completely gone, and I'm actually a little scared of him and his behaviour, though much of it is driven by his need to survive and be remembered. In many ways, Aaron is a sad character. While he has loyal soldiers and servants, they aren't with him because they like or admire him. He lost his one love when Allegast left him. I would happily talk about this book for a few hours, but in doing so, I would definitely spoil the events that made Hannah Kainer's world and novel what it is. Her characters, her world, and the history, magical system, and religious practices that are gone into in so much detail, she has given them depth and reality and a level of authenticity that I really enjoyed. 
I'm happy that the book is part of a trilogy, and I'm also relieved that this book didn't suffer from the issues that many second books have done, at least in my past experience and from reading reviews, others too. What surprised me most about the book? The thing that most surprised me when reading Sunbringer was actually a pleasant one, which makes a change. And that was that the story managed to maintain my interest. It continued to build towards an exciting climax, though obviously there is still one more book to go. I loved the way that the characters managed to remain interesting with intriguing backstories that continued to be revealed as the tale went along. Kissen stayed the determined and obstinate god-killer that we were first introduced to. Though her mission kept on changing and her path was forced to swerve, taking her through unfamiliar territory, she continued to maintain my attention. Inara was probably the most changed in Sunbringer, and as much as I loved her in the first book, she was precocious as anything. She was a girl who needed guidance and was on the verge of something. In this sequel, she really emerges as a strong and driven girl on the edge of womanhood with a mission of her own, though hers is definitely the most personal of all of them. Skedaseth remains a favourite character. He was so cute and weird in the first book. And while it feels as though he could easily remain a static small god with few changes, he surprised me probably most of all as he got an incredible boost during Sunbringer which, while remaining one of my favourite characters in this world. Elagast is probably the least changed of all of them in this book. While his story develops as the book continues, his mission and motive remain the same. Of course, this doesn't mean that I like him any less than the other characters. He is very much a plot driver, but that's kind of where I feel he stays. So I guess the most surprising thing for me about Sunbringer was that it didn't make me want to stop reading the series, which, after a few disappointments over the last few months, was a massive and very welcome relief. If you're looking for something like this, or you loved this and want something else then you'll love these. There have been so many incredible fantasy novels released over the last few years that I could bore you by listing all of them, but I figured a few suggestions wouldn't go amiss. So here they are. Legends and Lattes and the sequel, or prequel, Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. If you love a cosy fantasy, then this series is definitely the one for you. The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi by Shannon Chakraborty. I am so constantly checking her website to find out when the sequel to this is coming out. This is an incredible adventure following the ex-pirate Amina al-Sarafi as she voyages across the 12th century eastern seas on a mission to save her daughter from potential villains and rescue a young girl from her misguided and poor decisions. Emily Wilde's Encyclopedia of Fairies by Heather Fawcett is my second cosy fantasy recommendation on the list. The story of an educated woman who travels to a Scandinavian town where fae activity is at an all-time high. And I'm not a huge fan of fae stories in general, so it surprised me I liked this one. The adventures she takes in 
part in while she's there. The reluctant host to a colleague she starts off greatly disliking and slowly grows to have feelings for all play a part in this particular tale. And obviously it is continued in Emily Wilde's Map of the Other Worlds, which came out at the very beginning of this year. There are hundreds more books I could talk about, specifically in the fantasy genre, but I think you should find them for yourself. In February, I managed to read a total of 11 books, including this one. Some were a little chunkier than others, and some were definitely much better and more enjoyable. I am honestly very pleased with the amount I managed to finish, especially given the way my month began. I still have plans to read Empire of the Vampire over March, so I can settle down with the sequel, Empire of the Damned, at a later point in the year. I have recorded a full summary of the books I finished over February's 29 days and what I thought about them for my YouTube channel, and that will be up as soon as I have edited it. I hit a tiny recording snag, which makes me look like an absolute and utter noob. So I really need to sort that bit out. Seriously, my buttons wouldn't work to stop the recording. So there is some very weird stuff that I've got to edit from the ending. This week, I didn't actually order any books, though I made moves to do so and managed to stop myself. But I did receive a few lovely deliveries via Royal Mail, including the latest book by F.T. Lukens, Song of the Huntress by Lucy Holland, which I had been hoping to receive for quite a while, and of course Empire of the Damned by Jay Kristoff, so I have a nice little haul to enjoy. I am feeling incredibly hopeful where March and my reading is concerned, and keeping my fingers crossed that those plans aren't derailed yet again by anything unexpected, but you can't predict the unexpected, right? It's the unexpected for a reason, I just hope that I don't have any more of it. There are so many stunning looking stories due for release in the coming month and I cannot wait to see what the postman and delivery drivers bring me, especially my fairy loot and locked library copies. I do love surprises. As I am continuing to grow my collection, I can't wait until my shelves are again piled high with potential new adventures. I would love your recommendations to help me fill the shelves. So if you've come across any books you think I'd enjoy, please email me at beingbookishpod at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram where I also post pictures of my current and planned reads. Don't forget, if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read and keep up with my reviews, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website, beingbookish.co.uk. The first one in a while was sent out on the 1st of March. I'm starting as I mean to go on this year and the next due in April. Well, that's it for this week and thank you again for listening. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you might listen. It truly does help the algorithm. You can also follow me on Instagram as beingbookishpod, on TikTok as beingbookishreviews, and on X as being underscore bookish. And you can find newer episodes and some book-themed shorts on YouTube where I am at beingbookishpod and my channel is Ray is Bookish. 
Or, of course, you can check out my website for the podcast back catalogue and full written spoiler-free book reviews at beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I have a few things left to do before I begin another week at work. Why does the weekend last such a short period of time? Seriously, I don't have time for anything. And I really want to read a few more chapters in my current book because I love the world I am joining in it. So until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.